the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We are at a Wednesday, which, of course, is hump day, middle weekday, over the hill day. We are closer to Friday than we were on Monday, and that means that we're closer to a three-day weekend than we were on Monday. So uh, that's not a bad thing at all. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, this weekend. Uh, I had some people who said, well... You know, we might stop by and I said, no, nah, I don't think so. I kind of want this weekend just to kind of kick back. I got to get ready for the summer. We're going to get the pool to put, you know, completely ready, get the deck completely ready, and then we'll you know, we'll be ready to have people come on over and do some barbecuing and stuff like that. But if the pool is warm enough, I might actually dangle my feet in it. I'm not allowed to get into it this for the last two years i've not been able to use my own pool because i've had surgeries both times and as you know i had surgery uh, it'd be three weeks ago friday it seems like a long time ago that it happened and i'm still a little uncomfortable because of it but i feel like i should be like over it I'm one of those people, I don't know, Heidi, you know people that are like me, that I handle pain really well, it doesn't bother me? Yeah, I mean, seriously, I when I had my, that uh, quintuple bypass, uh, I was told by my doctor three or four weeks before I came back to work, I came back to work after one week, and uh, was fine, was ready to go, you know, and I'll be honest with you, this last surgery I had was the worst surgery as far as pain goes that i've uh, i've come i've come up to so uh, uh kind of a bummer all right so know that we're going to have a good show today all right there's a lot of good things coming up uh trent garner state senator was going to stop by the studio i just got a phone call for, from him and he's going to call in heidi just so you'll know he'll call in uh he's got his four-year-old son with him so I understand where he's at with that. So he's going to call in and and talk to us. I want to talk to him about the article I read. Uh, I think that was from the New York Times uh, that I kind of mentioned yesterday, uh, talking about uh, Governor Hutchinson and you know what he wants to do with the Republican Party, what he wants to do with the Governors Association because he'll be the head of that. And uh, where he thinks uh, Arkansas is going. And by the way, you'll hear him in person live on my show tomorrow. 
Uh, he'll join us at 7.05, and we'll be talking to him. And we're going to talk to him about all of those things. Uh, he's he's ready to discuss them. And uh, they, they are controversial, to say the least. So uh, we'll hear what he has to say about it. 7 o'clock today in studio uh, will be uh, Congressman Hill. He'll be joining us. Normally on a Wednesday, we would have Congressman Westerman. But last night, and I'm, I mean, just before I turned off uh, my phone and turned over to go to sleep, I got a text from him saying that he would not be with us today. He didn't get out yesterday on the flight that he wanted to leave to go into Washington, D.C., so he's flying out early this morning. So he will be uh, heading up there. There's, there's some markup on a bill that he definitely wants to be in D.C. about, so... Because to be honest, normally they're all going the other way. They're leaving for Memorial Day weekend, but he's going in to do some some work about all of that. All right, so uh, some interesting things out on the news that I'd like to get out real quickly. Uh, let's talk about Governor Newsom in uh, California. He's been ordered to pay $1.3 million in a settlement with uh, some L.A. area churches over the uh, coronas, uh, coronavirus uh, 19 restrictions. Uh, that came down uh, with, a, uh, with this uh, Los Angeles church. Under the terms of the settlement, Newsom's administration can no longer place pandemic restrictions on houses of worship, according to the local uh, newspaper from Pasadena. Uh, Matt Staver, founder of the Liberty Council, Matt's been on the show, uh, which represented the Harvest Rock Church of Pasadena. And we've talked about the Harvest Rock Church, where they were being like uh, hit with fines of $100,000 and things, called Newsom the worst governor in America for religious liberty. Uh, the church stayed open during the lockdown, and the pastor and parishioners were threatened with daily criminal charges that were up to a year in prison. Yeah, you heard that right, a year in prison. The settlement amount is to repay the church's attorney costs and fees in the lawsuit that was brought against Newsom's administration last summer. Quote, after nearly nearly a year-long battle defending our religious freedoms, our lawsuit has reached a permanent settlement in our favor the reverend che on uh, founder of the church said in a statement according to uh, the pasadena uh, pasadena patch i'm thrilled to see the complete reversal of the last discriminatory restrictions against churches in california isn't this interesting that you've got to learn about this through a local paper called the pasadena patch and no national news organization is covering the story i find that interesting I, I really do because newsom has been one of the worst about uh religious restrictions and uh, going after churches because of a lot of the things uh that went uh, went down uh, i'm looking uh, at the re- the rest of this story there's a lot more to it uh, he had ordered non-essential businesses, of which churches were classified, to close in March of 2020. 
in the first in the nation lockdown as the virus began to spread across the state. In May of last year, the state amended the restrictions to allow 25% capacity in churches as long as it didn't exceed 100 people. What do you do about mega churches? I want you to think about that for a second. There's there's some of these churches that, you know, six, 8,000 people attend them on a given Sunday. Uh, the cases brought by the church made it to the U.S. Supreme Court in February. In a 6-3 ruling, the court decided the church could allow 200 worshipers inside, but said bans against singing and chanting could remain. That's amazing as well. Newsom will likely face a recall election in the fall. Uh, Governor Newsom's COVID restrictions intentionally discriminated against churches while providing preferential treatment to many secular businesses and gatherings. Uh, What's important is this ruling is permanent. He cannot do this ever again. The uh, settlement resolves uh, the case while providing clarity and certainty to the public around the public health standards applicable to places of worship following recent rulings by the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, The settlement comes on the heels of a 5-4 decision by the uh, U.S. Supreme Court last month that said California couldn't limit indoor at-home religious gatherings. Newsom's office did not immediately respond uh, to that that story uh, at all. But he's still in office. We'll see if he stays in office uh, and if the people of California are willing to say, yeah, it's okay. Uh, You can discriminate against uh, churches, houses of worship, and all the rest, and uh, that ain't no big deal, so don't worry about it. All right, quarter after uh, six here on a uh, Wednesday. We'll be back. We've got more stories to to cover for you here early this morning. want to remind you about East End Towing and what they do uh, for you because they keep themselves appraised of what the uh, state laws are and regulations of towing. Uh, They are part of the uh, Arkansas Tow and Recovery Board. They are licensed. They are insured uh, for uh, their towing companies, and uh, each of their trucks is permitted to do the work that they do. So no matter the situation, East End Towing can handle it. they got all the answers for you. We've given you a lot of the information that they've been passing to you about what to do if you break down on a highway, if you start overheating on the highway, if you're close to a, an exit, they would suggest that you get off of the uh, super highway and find yourself a filling station or a, a Walmart or a Target or something to park in the parking lot. And then give them a call at 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849 to have them hook you up and get you to the place you need to be at to get your car fixed. That's East End Towing. Kind of interesting if you've been following this story the last few days about the Wuhan lab. You know, the president came out uh, months ago and other members of his uh, administrations. And Tom, you remember uh, Senator Tom Cotton came out strongly saying that this lab uh, is the one responsible for releasing the COVID-19 virus uh, out into the public. 
And a lot of people say, ah, nah, that ain't what happened. The media went against it. In fact, there's a quote uh, from uh, the Washington Post the other day. One of their reporters was interviewed, and he he made this statement. We didn't take it seriously because Trump said it. Because President Trump said it, we weren't going to believe it. So it was considered whack job territory, you know. It wasn't worthy of serious discussion. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the, the latest ride you could take on uh, Crazy Town Express. Those were some of the different things that were said, were said at that time. But now, now, suddenly, the mainstream media are being forced to grapple with the possibility that all of it might have been true. Uh, could COVID-19 have been created in and escaped from the Wuhan lab? For well over a year, uh, most of the media types dismissed that theory, and some ridiculed those who talked it up. The debate became wrapped up in politics, and, and it's just the way it is now. Uh, any, you know, right now, uh, it's you know you're either on the left or the right about a lot of things, and uh, if the right says something, the left doesn't believe it, and they say something totally different. Uh, you know, Democrats, you know, if the if the uh, uh, conservative Republicans say the sky is blue, they'll say it's green. Uh, if the Republicans say uh, the color is red, they will say the color is blue. It, it's just kind of crazy right now. And because the president, President Trump, was a main proponent of this, their way of reporting of on it was that it was uh, – ridiculously inane asked by a reporter in may of 2020 whether he'd seen anything to give him confidence in the lab scenario trump said yes i have yes i have and i think the who should be ashamed of themselves for buying china's spin that gave the press an easy out trump was trying to blame the virus that was then starting to savage america on his new scapegoat in Beijing. And uh, the Guardian declared back at that time, the British newspaper, that nobody was buying Trump's Wuhan lab theory. The liberal site Vox claimed back in March of uh, last year to have debunked the lab rumor. But this week, Vox belatedly ran an editor's note saying that Scientific consensus has shifted, and it has, uh, which is why uh, the network morning shows have all mentioned it Tuesday, uh, although only CBS This Morning had a full report on it. The headline on Tuesday's Washington Post fact-checker column, how the Wuhan lab leak theory suddenly became credible, uh, to be clear, this theory, like all the others, remains unproven. We're talking about circumstantial evidence, of course, because it's not like China is letting us into the Wuhan laboratory and looking at all their logs and interviewing their scientists. That's not happening. But the environment changed over the weekend when the Wall Street Journal, citing U.S. intelligence sources, reported that three Three, Wuhan researchers were hospitalized with the COVID-19 
in November 2019, shortly before the first virus case was reported. Back in February, of course, our Senator Tom Cotton said there should be an investigation because the Chinese have a history of dishonesty. You think? Yeah, I think he's probably right on that. Quote, Tom Cotton keeps repeating a uh, coronavirus conspiracy theory that was already debunked. That's what the Washington Post said. Senator Tom Cotton repeats fringe theory of coronavirus origins. That was from, well, if it wasn't from the Post, it had to be the New York Times, and you'd be right if you said that. Good thing no one at the paper asked him to write an op-ed on the subject. Uh, Now there have been exceptions to these sweeping dismissals. New York Magazine in January ran a lengthy piece exploring the lab hypothesis. Former Times science reporter Nicholas Wade, in a Medium essay, Early this month, gave the theory credence. He blames the lack of journalistic curiosity. No, it's not lack of journalistic curiosity. It was uh, not a lack of anything. It was a complete sold-out fake news. This is we don't report anything that the president says. Journalism. Uh, the migration of much of the media toward the left of the political spectrum is where they went to. That's what happened. Because President Trump said the virus had escaped from a Wuhan lab, editors gave the idea little credence. Wade also wrote, science reporters, unlike political reporters, have little innate skepticism of their sources' motives. Most see their role largely as purveying the wisdom of scientists to the unwashed masses. So, When their sources won't help, these journalists are at a loss. Now, everyone should recognize that it's extremely difficult to investigate such things when Beijing retains such tight control of Chinese uh, society. But the criticism uh, is not that the media failed to crack the case. It's that they didn't even try. That's the point. They didn't even try try they let their political motives get in way of their journalistic objectivity which when it came to the uh, the trump administration they had very little josh rogan tweeted this out if you're writing a piece defending yourself for being wrong for a year about the lab leak hypothesis by blaming everyone else except yourself for your own wrongness you haven't learned a thing, and you are just engaged in bullpucky. I replaced that word with my word. Uh, navel-gazing that literally nobody cares about. They didn't. And, and what, what has the president done? The current president, Biden. Big story today out is that he's called off the uh, – investigation into the Wuhan virus uh, coming from China. He's um, he's now saying, no, nah, we're not going to go there. We're not going to take a look at that. Uh, there's nothing there to see. And uh, we just continue on with politicizing this whole thing. And you and I 
are kept at risk because of it. That tells you that the people who don't report on this, politicians who don't want to do what they should be doing on uh, doing the necessary investigations, uh, care more about their politics than they do about their country. And that's something that you have to take into consideration when you go to the polls and uh, when you decide uh, who you're going to vote for in two years. Because the next election is 20, coming up uh, in 21. That's what's happening. Uh, And everybody here uh, in Arkansas will be back up for election. Uh, You know, Bozeman will be up for re-election as far as uh, a senator goes, all of your state reps, all of your state senators, all of your state uh, party members in uh, constitutional offices will be up for uh, re-election. And you need to ask yourself, are they putting their state and country first or are they putting their politics first? And that should be the number one question you have uh, to answer. And I can tell you which which party I believe puts themselves first and not their country. All right, break for news, and we'll be back. Uh, Senator Trent Garner will join us by phone. Joining us uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show is going to be uh, State Senator Trent Garner now. He was going to be here in the studio but uh, couldn't make it. Uh, I know he's got his four years four year old son with him, and uh, you know I I can understand maybe you don't want to come into the studio and have to deal with that as well. He has quoted a couple of times in a very uh, I think important and eye opening article that was written by the New York Times, and it's on my my Facebook page, uh, the Dave Ellswick Show Facebook page. If you want to be part of the Dave Ellswick Show Facebook page, you just go there and and say, make me a member, and we'll keep you appraised of everything that's going on. And they were talking about where is the Republican Party here in Arkansas. Let me read this quote uh, from Trent Garner. Arkansas Republicanism is defined by President Trump right now, said uh, the senator a South Arkansas state lawmaker who defeated one of the remaining rural white Democrats when Mr. Trump was first elected. So uh, you've got this. So you believe that uh, President Trump still has a lot of sway here in the state. I would agree with you as well, uh, Senator, that, uh, you know, President Trump is, is still not only liked but loved in the state of Arkansas. Hey, Dave, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty obvious statement. Uh, a couple things. In 2016, we gave President Trump a huge margin of victory in Arkansas. And in 2020, we actually improved on that margin one of only eight states to do so. Um, I can tell you this, Dave, it's very simple to me. If you're driving around Arkansas, I don't see you know signs for a lot of political figures or flags for a lot of political figures, but even to this day, <laughs> whenever I drive up to Little Rock from South Arkansas and El Dorado, I probably see a dozen Trump flags or signs right. hanging on people's co- outside their door. And that tells me that Trump's not just a popular political figure, but people are inspired by him. They have, uh, you know, a following that is outside just the political realm. And there's something real there. And uh, people need to pay attention to it. 
uh, President Trump will be the dominant figure in Arkansas politics for the near future. And I think that's a good thing. If you look at his presidency, I think it's one of the best of my lifetime. And uh, I think emulating his uh, policy, his boldness, uh, what he did in office is important for policyholders in Arkansas. Well, this article goes on to talk about, of course, uh, Sanders running for uh, governor, and she is tied very closely to the former president. Uh, They say that if she does run, which she is going to do, there's no doubt about that, as the Republican Republican standard bearer, she may face a third-party opponent from well outside the pro-Trump orbit. And here's, here's I think, a real... Uh, example of somebody who's not in Arkansas is not steeped in Arkansas politics and makes just a plain, flat-out dumb statement. Uh, Talking about State Senator Jim Hendren, who left the GOP after the January 6th uh, riot in Washington, D.C., and Davey Carter, a former State House Speaker, that they're both considering bids. Now, uh, Carter, I'm understanding, looks like he's going to run for AG. In separate interviews, they said they would not compete with one another in the same race. Said uh, Mr. Carter, I'm convinced that even in Arkansas, Trump and Trumpism is a slow sinking ship. He said that a successful challenge to Trumpism would not happen unless liberals, moderates, and anti-Trump Republicans organize in one lane. Well, that that sure shows me that perhaps the Republican Party should be looking at stripping uh, Carter's, you know, being in the Republican Party. What do you think about that? Well, former Speaker Carter hasn't been in the Republican Party for a long time. I mean, even with his office with a Republican after his name, he wasn't really a Republican. Everybody knew it. Uh, he won a speakership by selling out the Republican Party with a few members and coordinating with Democrats behind the scenes to take it from a much more conservative candidate. But let's go back to Sarah Huckabee Sanders. As important as President Trump will be for the Republican Party, what I think is even more exciting is Trump's ideas and his boldness and his what made Trump an effective officeholder will be converted to a kind of a next 2.0 generation. I think you're seeing it across the country. I think you're seeing it down in Florida with DeSantis. I think Sarah Huckabee Sanders will be an excellent kind of next version of Trump, kind of the the good parts of Trump, but more refined in a way that is is kind of comp- appeal to both sides. And I think we see that all across the board. People are picking up that mantle. And the future of the Republican Party will be those kind of Trumpian ideas, even as President Trump himself will be an important figure. As far as for the third-party bid in Arkansas, look, we've played this game before. Um, Evan McMuffin, whatever his name was back in 2016, uh, thought he was going to have this big old, uh, you know, surge. He got 1.2% in Arkansas. Um, whenever I think about a third-party chant running, especially those two gentlemen, and knowing their very checkered past when it comes to legislative uh, policies, I think a snowball's chance, and you can finish the rest of it, is about as good as you can go. <laughs> Um, whether it's Sarah Huckabee Sanders or Attorney General um, Leslie Rutledge, both are fine conservative women. Uh, you know, if you look at the AG's race, I'm strongly supporting uh, Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin. He's been a conservative steward, and I think that he will uh, not only dominate uh, that race, uh, I think the third-party races will be interesting because I think instead of pulling this 
coalition of moderate, blah, 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 whatever they want to say. I think this is going to pull Democrats, and I think it's going to weaken the liberal field, which is only roughly about 30% statewide. And so if one of those two gentlemen decide to run, I think it's just going to water down the Democrat vote, and I think that it, it will weaken the Democrat Party, which – in my eyes, is a very good thing because I strongly disagree with a lot of their policies. So I hope they do run. I think it will actually hurt the Democrats a lot more than it hurts Republicans. And ultimately, that's a better thing for the state because we'll move forward in better and bolder direction. Uh, things those two men don't know much about in their time in office. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Sanders for just a moment. Uh, people that I talk to uh, seem to be overwhelmingly convinced that she will win the governorship and that she's going to bring in a new dawn for conservatives here in the state. You make a statement uh, here in this uh, article saying that Ms. Sanders has quietly reached out to state Republican lawmakers to discuss state policy and convey her desire to work with state legislators. Uh, Can you talk about what she's talked to you all about? Is that for common consumption? Yeah, I'd be more than happy to. I think this is important to that point I made earlier about taking Trump's ideas of Trumpism but putting it in a package that is for Arkansas. Now, Sarah is obviously has a history with President Trump, and she did an excellent job as press secretary. But when you sit down and talk to her, she was talking about things that our Kansans care about. She's talking about our education system and talk about how her dad and you know he went through the Lakeview decision and how important it is we keep our education system good, but how to how to handle that. We talked about um, uh, the economy, how we're going to improve that, and and the big things that came out of that conversation with her is her desire to you know cut our income tax eventually to zero. Something she came out with a public policy position not too long ago. Uh, I think she'll do it smartly. Uh, something we've been advocating we need in the state of Arkansas, and you know we talked about. How, you know, some other issues about how we're going to deal with China as a state, how we're going to deal with some of these other issues, the social issues came up. And you know, as far as I'm concerned, she gave uh, very good answers on everything. I think that Sarah's knows Arkansas. She's from here. Her dad also was governor. Um, she's been around campaigns, whether it's Senator Cotton, Senator Bozeman. Uh, she knows this state and her having that national president and that statewide knowledge, uh, I think it's going to be a benefit for Arkansas. And I think that it's exciting to see that. I think, you know, her record right now, even though she's not been in elected office, is conservative. Um, and some people may say, well, she never held office. How could she run for governor? You know, I said that same thing about President Trump when he ran uh, in 2015. And I was dead wrong. President Trump was an outstanding president. And so I'm excited about uh, what Sarah could bring to the table. You know, I'm still good friends with Attorney General Leslie Rutledge. You know, I n- never count anybody out. But I think the odds on favor right now are for Sarah to win that race. I think it's going to move Arkansas in new and exciting, bold directions. And I'm excited to be part of it soon I get reelected in 2022. All right. Well, let's come back. I got to take a break. When we come back, let's talk about what a Sanders or even a Rutledge governorship means compared to a Asa Hutchinson governorship here in the state of Arkansas. Our guest, State Senator uh, Garner, he is with us, uh, and the state senator has been a friend of this show. He has appeared on it consistently and has talked about the subjects that you've wanted to hear about, and we'll come back and hear some more of his answers in just a moment. Right now, I want to remind you about PI Roofing and what they can do for you. Uh, They are if not the best roofing company here in the state, 
they're in the top two, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they're the only company that I have allowed on my roof uh, to keep my roof in good working order. Uh, they have been an advertiser on the Dave Ellswick show for 20 years. Uh, they uh, make sure that they want to keep the show on the air because of the information that we impart to you. So that should tell you a lot of how they believe. Uh, they're good Christian people. You know, uh, Joel and Veronica, his wife, the co-owners of PI Roofing, are really great people. Uh, you know what they can do for you for your roof. Let me tell you what they do here in our uh, community. Uh, they go out and fix people's roofs uh, that uh, their names are brought to them they may not be able to take care of it themselves because they're on a fixed income uh, and they need some help. I, I have He used to work, uh, Joel did, with us on my uh, Arkansans Care Foundation, and I've seen him tell, tear roofs completely off of houses and build completely new roofs on those houses at no cost uh, to the owner of the house. Uh, they are a really fantastic company that does what they say and they do it very well and they take care of people within our community as well also if you want to get a hold of them and have them come out take a look at your roof just call 707-3551 that's 707-3551 or go online to piroofing.com All right, let's get back to the final segment of our first hour. It's gone quick this morning, to say the least. I was telling Heidi uh, at the bottom of the hour, it sounded like Salem had listened into the first uh, half hour of our show when they put together their newscast for this morning in that they start talking about the Wuhan virus and all of that. And uh, we went over that with you today and how uh, the national media suddenly finds a lot of credence into that after, you know, spanking uh, Senator Tom Cotton hard and uh, going after the president hard, saying that it was all just a bunch of BS. And now they're suddenly saying, oh, wait a second, maybe there really is something there. There's been something there all along, but uh, their, uh, you know, fake news uh, has been totally against what the truth is. All right, let's get back to talk to uh, State Senator uh, Garner here. And uh, big question that I think a lot of uh, Republicans are asking uh, Senator Garner is when we have our new governor elected next year, uh, it, it looks like they will be much more conservative than our present governor and that uh, things are going to change here in the state. What are some of the things that you think will happen if either Sanders or Rutledge get elected? Well, everybody taking that position is going to kind of get their feet under them. But I think in Arkansas for a long time, we were a Democrat stronghold. You look at our prior election results. We had typically Democrats in every major power position, maybe one or two spots in Northwest Arkansas. They overwhelmed their legislator. About 2010, that obviously changed because of Barack Obama's terrible policies and people waking up to kind of what the National Democrat Party was. And Governor Hutchison uh, was around the Republican politics for a very long time. He did a lot of good work for Republicanism uh, growing in Arkansas. The reality is 
I think we've transitioned from that prior Democrat uh, stronghold to a conservative bastion. And while Asa Hutchison was a part of that transition, um, unfortunately, I think our future is in a different kind of way. Um, the governor has made a point in the last few months to be publicly against Trump in a lot of different ways and going on national media to get that attention. Uh, I think that's the wrong take to do. I think that if you look at Sarah or you look at Leslie, um, their conservative vision is much bolder. Um, the governor is, I've always said that the governor is a guy that if you needed somebody to do your accounting, he's a great guy. He's smart in a lot of ways. But if you need somebody to fox, so, uh, you can probably look to somebody else. And when it comes to those big issues like the transgender issue that came up this session that he vetoed, when it comes to bills dealing with Department of Health, um, unfairly going after small businesses while larger businesses were allowed to hook during COVID-19. He vetoed a bill on dealing with that as well. And you look at some of the stuff he's done compared to, say, like a DeSantis uh, when it comes to critical race theory and these important issues that many of your listeners care deeply about. Um, I think that, well, I can appreciate his service to state and him growing the Republican Party. Uh, conservatism and Republicanism has changed dramatically. And he's part of the past. He's not part of the future. And we need to advance forward in the state of Arkansas. Let me ask this question because it's one that I, I bring up often here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, we have several large companies in northwest Arkansas. You know, you got Hunt, you got Walmart, you got a lot of people up there, Tyson. And uh, they tend to lean more to the left than the average Arkansan does. Uh how will do you think Sanders and Rutledge handle them when it comes to uh, governing in the state of Arkansas? Will they listen to the people, or will do you believe they listen to the corporations? Well, it's always a balancing act because those corporations employ you know, literally hundreds of thousands of people in Arkansas. They're a big influence in our state for a lot of reasons. And we need them to continue to grow and be part of the conversation and, and have a real footprint in the state of Arkansas. So I'm not anti-corporation in a lot of stand. I appreciate what they do. The reality is when it comes to a few of these social issues, there's just a fundamental difference between what they perceive as a negative for the state's Arkansas image versus what the overwhelming people of Arkansas want. And so while I'm happy to have conversation with them, I think we need to and include them in that, the reality is, at the end of the day, the people are the ones who elect us. And they, when it comes to a few of these issues, if they're overwhelmingly in one favor of it, I think that whoever the next governor is has to be able to communicate that to the corporations and the businesses across the state, tell them why they're doing it, and do it as fairly as possible. I'm not saying you can't you know, talk to them and have a discussion on how a bill should be drafted or anything like that. But at the end of the day, uh, similarly like the transgender issue and how that all went down, uh, I think you need to put the right politics in place and take an issue like that when it's literally chemical castration of children and call it irreparable harm to them in their futures. I think ultimately at the end of the day, you have to make the right decision. And I think that plays out in the wash with the voters. And when they re- you re- listen to them and you respect them and you vote in that way, it makes a difference. Uh, I hope the next governor, whoever she is, uh, will have a that kind of same kind of impact. Um, because uh, uh, I think it's very important we do that. And, you know, that's part of the problem I think we see with some of those third-party candidates um, that I think they're going to run headlong when they actually try to run. Uh, they care much more about being in a Little Rock clique and, and listening to very small voices rather than people. And so when it comes to those real issues, um, Arkansas responded. 
we've seen conservative legislators win over and over again. And I think the next governor uh, will be very cognizant of that and be able to do handle that in a good way. So I'm, I'm optimistic about it. Uh, you never know until somebody's in there, but I, I'm optimistic about Arkansas's future when it comes to uh, those kind of issues. I got just a few more moments. We got two minutes, and I um, need a quick answer on this. Uh, Walmart has a lot of money, and redistricting is going to happen here uh, fairly soon. When that happens, they're saying there may be as many as 12 more seats in northwest Arkansas. Do you think that uh, Walmart might try to use their influence to uh, sway those seats, their direction, and the way that they think on social issues? Good. The numbers I've seen say it's going to be dramatic, but I don't know if they'll be that dramatic. Uh, but anytime you're drawing something in legislative seats in an area like that, um, all kind of different uh, voices have a say in that. Ultimately, that's up to Governor Hutchison, uh, Attorney General Les Rutledge, and Secretary of State John Thurston. Uh, they put their first meeting together. Um, the problem they have right now is the data is not from the census. Mm-hmm. The power is in Arkansas shifting northwest, and I think it's more important ever that our rural legislators have a strong voice. They stand up for their people because as we get diluted, quote unquote, with the power movement northwest, it's more important than ever that those legislators who are representing rural districts take bold stands and do what's best for the people. All right. State Senator Trent Garner, thanks for the time. We appreciate you. For my listeners, don't forget, we'll continue to talk about the future of Republicanism tomorrow in 7 o'clock when I'm joined by Governor Asa Hutchinson, and he'll give us his view. That's all coming up tomorrow in the 7 o'clock hour. Trent, thanks so much for your time. We'll talk to you down the line. I've got to get ready for Congressman Hill. Let's move into our uh, second hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me remind you, we'll have uh, Congressman Hill. Normally, we'd have Congressman Westerman at uh, 35, but he won't be able to join us today. He had to catch an early flight to Washington, D.C. They're doing some kind of markup on a bill that he wants to be there about. And uh, I'd much rather he do the work that you uh, elected him to do than worry about him being here on the show. And so uh, good for him. And do what he needs to do. Uh, Congressman is uh, Hill is in the studio. This was kind of a surprise. I wasn't expecting him uh, to this morning, but it's great to always have him in the studio. And I, you know, Congressman, let's start with the eight hundred pound gorilla that is out there, and that is that you uh, you voted with the Democrats uh, last week on uh, the uh, January sixth uh, commission. I saw your response of why you did it. I understand why you voted the way you voted. You you kept your word uh, to the voters. Uh, I'll let you talk about it. Yeah. So after the catastrophic events of the 6th, uh, about a week later, I co-sponsored a bill by Rodney Davis of Illinois to set up a bipartisan commission because in the House and with the Senate turning Democrat, Republicans have no voice. 
Right. So the only way to get answers to these questions about how Nancy Pelosi did not back up our Capitol Police with either the D.C. Police or the National Guard, I think, is to have this bipartisan commission. So I originally co-sponsored that bill. Mm -hmm. The bill we voted on is actually stronger uh, than the one that Rodney proposed. So for me, that's number one. Number two, I hear uh, my colleagues say, but there are other investigations going on by the Department of Justice or by, excuse me, or by the House committees. I say, right, all controlled by Democrats. So if we want a shot at subpoenaing the speaker and asking her what happened and why she didn't let the National Guard back up the D.C. police and back up the Capitol police, I don't know any other way to do it. And I remind listeners, look, President Trump knew something was going on because he authorized the National Guard to be activated to be on the mall on Sunday at 3 p.m. So there's a breakdown in intelligence and there's a breakdown in the chain of command on Capitol Hill to protect those Capitol policemen. And when the rally turned violent and turned into, you know, a mob going into the Capitol, they were not prepared. Well, we we saw the video of it. There's definitely no doubt that they weren't compared, uh, prepared. And as as you said, uh, that's the speaker's job. Hundred percent. That she is responsible for the Capitol security. She gets the intelligence briefing. And look, maybe her senior staff did that. It's possible. I mean, the, it's very fragmented on Capitol Hill. But all roads lead to one office, and that's the Speaker's office. And the next day, she fires the Sergeant at Arms. She fires the Capitol Police Chief. And no explanation to the members. She just did it. And when we had bipartisan teleconferences on the 7th, 8th, 9th, asking the acting chief, the acting sergeant at arms, who said, well, who told you that you couldn't get backed up? Who gave that order? Uh, we got double talk. And I think uh, a bipartisan commission with the subpoena power uh, is the way to get that answer. You think the speaker was setting up the Republicans? Uh, if you're a cynic, yes. Uh, if you're a cynic, you're looking one of the biggest ones. Well, right I understand, here. <laughs> and I've thought about this, and I'm not a conspiracy guy at all. I really am not. That's not my mo. But the you know, uh, and I don't think the Speaker of the House is someone who encourages bad outcomes either. But she's been radio silent on this. I think she has the culpability for it, and we're going to find out. So we tend to investigate these things. My hats off to. Uh, uh, my friend Brad Winstrup from Cincinnati, member of Congress. He's a surgeon. Uh, he was a field surgeon in Iraq for the Army. He's who saved Steve Scalise's life on the baseball field right. June 2017, June 14th. And the FBI ruled that it was death by cop. And here's a guy who stalked Republicans, asked people in the coffee shop, are they Republicans? Had Bernie Sanders' progressive far-left literature brought a, I can't remember if it was a 223 or whatever he had. He was there to assassinate my members of Congress. And last week we found out that uh, because of Brad's work, the FBI is not ruling it death by cop. So oh, really? that's why we do. I didn't know that. That's why we are doing oversight. And that's why these you've got to ask these questions, because in politics, people won't answer the question. They just go on to the next topic. Is there a – I get this feeling, all right, now that's probably the cynic in me, but I believe that there seems to be politicians 
involved on the left that are more concerned about their party and more concerned about the issues that they're pushing than they are about the country. Do you do you get that feeling? I think we've all had that feeling since uh, President Biden was sworn into office. And here's why I say that. I mean, Biden campaigned as I'm a centrist. He went to the Senate when I was a freshman at Catholic High. Come on. I mean, yeah, he'd been around a while. So I think people thought, look, Biden, Biden's been around. He's going to be a centrist. He's going to change the tone. He's going to mm-hmm. make, make bipartisan decisions. That's a joke. Since January 20th, he's made one bad policy decision after another. We elected Bernie Sanders. So this $6 trillion in spending they're proposing on top of the $4.5 trillion that we spend every year, I think it shocks Democrats, to your point, meaning – that the far-left part of the party that's taken over the Democratic Congress uh, conference in the House, who last week Pelosi didn't have the votes on her own supplemental appropriation for capital security. She didn't couldn't count on any Republican votes. The vote was held open 45 minutes while she negotiated with Tlaib, Ocasio-Cortez, and Omar about taking money away from Israel and backing the uh, Hamas in Gaza. Now, think about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've been thinking about it. I've been yeah. talking about it so here on this I, show. I'd say, I'd say the Democratic left has now officially taken over the parties in the House and Senate. They're pushing their agenda. They don't care about the outcome of our fiscal situation in this country or the fact that they proposed – they have Biden proposing a zero budgetary increase for defense or homeland security. Zero. So – I'll come back to Israel here in in just a moment, but uh, you talked about infrastructure. And like I, I've asked you a couple of times that when you show up each week at the, at Congress, do you get a do you get a different Democrat lexicon so you understand when they say a word <laughs> what they mean by it? I mean, infrastructure is probably one of the prime examples of that. Uh, I'm hearing that Republicans now are saying that maybe a trillion dollars we could go as far as infrastructure work how do you feel about that Uh, i just i can't get there uh and let me tell you why and you're right the the democrats they're the party when you take over a party and you move to the far left like this then it is does become an orwellian experience as you change everybody's dictionary definitions yeah so look uh weicker in the senate um is talking about trying to reprogram money that we passed in either the American Rescue Act or leftover money from CARES to boost surface transportation. And in the House Republicans, we proposed about $460 billion of a highway bill. We're happy to talk about this broadband issue, but it needs to be targeted. And you tell me what we haven't already covered in broadband. Right. But we want the I-40 bridge challenges of the world taken care of. That's what we're focused on, surface transportation. So I think the House Republicans are about $400 billion, which is about what a highway bill would be budgeted for for 10 years or five years. Uh, and the senators, which you heard that story this morning, I think are talking about reprogramming money that we've already appropriated out of the American Rescue Package or CARES Act. Okay. One one more question before we go to break, and that is uh, the Reconciliation Act is supposed to only be allowed to be used once, correct? Once per budget. I'm hearing that the Democrats want to use it again. 
Now, they're in charge. Can they change the rules so they can use it more than once? Well, of course, they can change the rules. It has to get through the Senate parliamentarian. I think they're trying to do an uh, FY20 and then an FY21 process. (coughs) And they don't have the votes right now to raise taxes on the American people and do this infrastructure plan. And that's why they're all in a talking mood uh, right now. And I don't believe they can pivot. Away, and this is what gives the Senate Republicans a little bit of negotiating leverage. They cannot pivot away from that and say, okay, well, then we're going to pass our $2 trillion infrastructure package with $2 trillion of tax increases on the American people because they don't have Democrat agreement on that yet. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. A lot more to talk about. We'll talk about what went down with Israel. Let's talk about the COVID 19 virus and how the media suddenly says, well, it may have come out of that Wuhan. Uh, you know, lab. It might happen. If that's the case, what does that say about Fauci, who was using American taxpaying money to uh, to help them out? We'll talk about all of that when we continue here with Congressman French Hill, District 2, on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about uh, Cabot Emergency Hospital, 100% physician-owned, board-certified emergency physicians with over 130 years of experience, they're always open. There's always one of those physicians there. They're open 24-7, 365. That includes holidays. They got a complete radiology suite, including x-ray, CT scans, ultrasounds, and on-site an MRI. They have an on-site lab, and I've talked about that extensively and how important that is if you're, let's say, having chest pains. Well, you want to know that it's you know, not just indigestion, but it might be, you know, something seriously going on with your heart. And that's what an on-site lab allows you to do to get those results back in 10, 15 minutes instead of waiting longer or sending you somewhere else to get it, which is precious minutes gone uh, that they could be using to treat you. And they have a pharmacy right on site as well. But the biggest thing they do is they get you back and they start getting you treated immediately because your emergency matters. It's like I always talk about surgery. It's minor surgery when it happens to somebody else. When it happens to you, it suddenly becomes major surgery when they decide they're going to cut on you. And you don't want to wait. You want to go back and you want to get treated. And that's what they do at Cabot Emergency Hospital so that you can get back to your life faster that's cabot emergency hospital they're on uh, highway 89 right there 67 167 they're on the side that walmart is on on 67 167 so you can find them real easy there and then after you get treated just stop by david's burgers and pick up one of those great hamburger bombs that you can get there all right we'll take a break we'll come back with more here on the dave ellswick show 22 minutes after 7, Congressman French Hill sitting in the studio today talking about politics with us. Uh, if you missed that first segment, I'm going to highly recommend that you go to the, the Dave Ellswick uh, Facebook page. It's always loaded right there. You can listen to the show uh, at your leisure, and uh, I would suggest that you listen to that first segment. Really important, talking about you know infrastructure And talking about, uh, of course, uh, January 6th, you want to want to hear why the congressman voted the way he voted. Don't don't just believe what you read on Facebook, I'm telling you, (laughs) because a bunch of it's just crap. That's exactly what it is. 
All right, back with you. Let's let's talk about Israel. Uh, I have never seen the Democrat Party split 50-50 on Israel before. Joe Lieberman's got to be freaking out about that. This is not Joe Lieberman's party. It's not Elliot Engel's party. I served with Elliot for uh, four years. Uh, He was the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee the last two years, Democrat of New York, solid, old-school Democrat, devoted to Israel, devoted to America's diplomatic, economic, and security partnership with Israel, abandoned. Speaker Pelosi now is being held hostage by Tlaib, Omar, Presley, the squad. You've heard them described as the squad. This far-left group that says Israel is an apartheid state, not a friend of the United States, and we should cut off military and economic aid in partnership with Israel. It's it's shocking. I mean, it's not the way we were checking our, you know, our, our – uh, philosophy at the door that's not what we think of we think of it, that is a sacrosanct partnership between democrats and republicans to support the people of israel what's your thoughts about the anti-semitism that we're seeing in our country well i was pleased that my friend david kustoff uh, who represents uh, west tennessee he's got germantown and the western uh, eastern part of memphis uh, jewish member of republican conference uh, david and uh, leader mccarthy are introducing an anti-semitism resolution in the house i'm going to co-sponsor it we've got to get these people on the record uh and in the past when we've tried to do that kind of thing this far left group in the house democrats have tried to water it down and not and block it from coming to the house floor and we shouldn't have hate of any kind i mean i'm against asian hate jewish hate african-american hate aren't we sure we are of course we are it's not our country so uh I think it's important that we be on the record about this uh, and that all Americans share that view. We've been talking about it since the Pittsburgh synagogue murders. We came together after that. Uh, Liberal Jew, conservative Jew, orthodox, reformed, uh, Christian community, hand in hand. And so let's say again that we don't tolerate anti-Semitism. A good a good uh, portion of the Jewish community has leaned towards the Democrat Party. Do you think that that may crack that coalition? Well, look, uh, good Jews and good Christians all care about social justice in this country. We want equality under the law, don't we? We want equality of opportunity. We want to help our brothers and sisters that are least fortunate. That's the nature of, I would say, faith and community service. But while we all share that, you have a split on supporting uh, Israel as a state. And I hope that we can, again, remember that even if you aren't keen, if you're not a Zionist and you're a Jew, you can be for America's strong partners. Israel is the only democracy in the region. Israel is our economic, diplomatic, and security partner there. Israel has helped us achieve greater peace under the Trump administration through the Abraham Accords. We're making progress, and Joe Biden is taking us back to Obama 2.0, which was anti-Israel and pro-Iran. That is not the right position for the United States. Well, we know where the missiles came from that uh, Hamas is using. We know it comes from Iran. Uh, I don't think it was by any... uh, coincidence that they released a lot of that money back to iran and suddenly a lot of missiles started raining down 
on on Israel from Hamas and even southern Lebanon, which is not good at all. Uh, the ceasefire is in effect now. Does it seem to be a good ceasefire, or do you think it's just uh, you know a, a you know reload ceasefire for Hamas? We don't know. I think uh, the ceasefire is worth having, but I would suggest to Hamas that if they break it, this will be catastrophic uh, because. I told many folks, Dave, don't recognize. They think of the, they think of the plight of the Palestinians for a state, the the Arabs in Israel, that somehow that this is a uniform thought. And the Fatah party, controlled by Mahmoud Abbas in the West Bank, is not in sync with the Hamas terrorist group that controls the Gaza Strip. Mm-hmm. It's part of quote Palestinian Israel. But they're not on the same page. So Israel and the United States, they don't have one partner to negotiate with. That's split. And Hamas is a terrorist group backed by Iran, and they're committed to one thing, the destruction of Israel. And yet Gaza would be a oasis were it to be a peaceful place, a place of, of companionship with Israel. It's got It's fertile. It's on the border with Egypt. It's on the Mediterranean. Well, bottom line is the Palestinian people were offered their own state in 1949, and they turned it down because they wanted to push the Israelis into the Mediterranean Sea. And this is why the Arab nations are doing direct negotiation with Israel. They're tired of being drugged through this and not being able to make progress in the region against uh, what they think is more concerning, which is an Iranian hegemony. Mm-hmm. A tradition and so they're pressing let's go ahead and recognize israel do business with israel and maybe that will pull the palestinians from this all or nothing uh approach all right we're out of time great to be with we you. had a, we had another don't forget we'll continue uh, our in-depth interviews that we've been doing this week had a great interview in the last half hour with uh, state senator trent garner good interview this half hour with Congressman Hill. Tomorrow, we'll spend most of the 7 o'clock hour with uh, Governor Asa Hutchinson and his view of where Republicanism should be in the state of Arkansas. And uh, you'll want to hear what he has to say. We appreciate you coming in, Congressman. It's always a pleasure. And by the way, introduce this new guy that you got here on your staff now. Well, I'm delighted to have Brian Lee join me in the studio today. Brian uh, comes to uh, our office from the good offices of Rick Crawford. Uh, Brian's got a great foreign policy background and glad to have him on the team. All right, Brian, welcome aboard, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in the future. News uh, with Rush is next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You know, for months now, we've been talking about St. Clarity residential cleaning and how good they are. And uh, a lot of you have taken us up on, you know, buying a 50% off coupon to save yourself 150 bucks and, and get this cleaning group into your home that's going to spend four or five hours doing a deep clean of your house. And you might want to do that every couple of weeks. You might want to do it every week or you might want to do it, you know, once a month, once a quarter whatever we can save you some money on that all you have to do is call 404-6560 now you want to call between nine and five normal business hours because that's when chuck and lynn are here 
and they will set you up to get one of these certificates. And then all you have to do is call the folks at St. Clarity and talk to them and ask them uh, to uh, come to your house. And that's what they do. They come out. They're going to do a visual inspection of your home. They're going to talk to you about, you know, how clean is clean for you because uh, they want to make sure that they uh, meet your expectations. And they've done that for, I would say, 99.9% of the people who have had them out to their homes now. Uh, people are really taken by how diligent they are in making sure that your uh, your your home is, is cleaned the way you need it cleaned. So uh, think about St. Clarity uh, Residential Cleaning. Uh, get a 50% off coupon by calling 404-6560. Instead of paying $300 to have your, uh, your uh, house cleaned, it will only run you $150. And for four or five hours of cleaning, that's a good price. That's uh, St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. And, of course, we here at the uh, uh, the station at 101.1 FM, The Answer. So keep that in mind. All right, so we've talked to uh, State Senator Trent Garner. We've talked to Congressman uh, French Hill now. We would have talked to Congressman Westerman, but he uh, missed his flight yesterday, had some things he had to do, so had to change his flight to early this morning. They're doing a markup on uh, the bill uh, for... Uh, uh, that he's involved in and so he has to be in washington dc today and he's flying right now making his way back to the nation's uh capital uh, i didn't get to ask uh, the congressman every question that i had kind of jotted down uh one was uh, i hear that they sent back the national guard now from washington dc does that mean they're going to take down the barriers around the capital and uh, the other thing about the barriers around the Capitol is I've heard that part of the infrastructure bill that uh, the Democrats have, uh, they want to keep that barrier up around the Capitol, and uh, they're going to pay for it through infrastructure spending. So keep that in mind. We'll, we'll get another shot to talk with the congressman uh, next week. Becky is in Louisiana, wants to give us a call and talk to us. Hey, Becky, how are you? <laughs> Doing pretty good. I guess they want to turn it into Vatican City, huh? Yeah, I have no idea what people. that's all about. A castle. You know, <laughs> that's the way they are. Did you guys get the spices we sent? Uh, I did get the spike uh, spices that you sent. I haven't used them yet, but yeah, I have them. In fact... Uh, I hope you didn't mind, but I passed on uh, one of those to Heidi, my producer. Have you used it yet, Heidi? You have? What do you think? Good? She says it's really good. Okay. I think it's a good, good, uh, what they're doing with it, uh, taking care of kids, you know? Well, yeah. We need to do that. We need to do that. Well. But uh, my question, what we're, uh, we got some people in a Washington jail and they're being held without bail, uh, approximately 50 of them. And about the biggest thing they're guilty of is being stupid enough to go in the Capitol when the police let them in. I saw the films. 
these are not the kind of people I saw them wandering around like tourists, you know. Yeah. And uh, they're being held in bad conditions, no bail. They can't see their lawyers by themselves. Uh, they need prayer because they're getting really desperate. And people like that that aren't used to that sort of treatment, they're from all over the country. They're just, some of them are country bumpkins. But... uh they need prayer because they're going to get real desperate and they'll cop a plea to anything. Mm-hmm. And you and I both know that's the purpose of this incarceration. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do, Becky. Next Monday, I'll make sure, or next Wednesday, I'll make sure that I ask uh, Congressman Hill and Congressman Westerman about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a big deal. It's been. Uh, some of them are only 60 days, but some of them have been 100 days. Yeah, I, 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 I was aware of the story. In fact, Wayne Beach had sent me some information uh, last night on it, uh, but it mm-hmm. came in. I didn't see it until early this morning, and I already had my questions basically laid out. Uh, I don't share them with the congressman, but I keep those in front of me so I can keep the, the conversation running in a logical pattern. But I'll make sure that's at the top next week well my thought is i believe that in a lot of situations if you read the constitution right a sheriff can do a whole lot even over state lines because uh it might be that a sheriff could go in there and cuff him and say i'm taking my citizen back to my state and i'm going to charge him with something mm-hmm. <laughs> something or some maybe some clergy have the clergy attempted to see these people this would be a good time to you know speak to them they need the yeah well <laughs> so, the last time a lot, a, a lot of a last time thank you becky for calling last time that something like that happened during the civil war uh when president lincoln uh, you know, froze habeas corpus. I mean, habeas corpus should get these women, uh, these men and women out of jail. We'll talk about it next uh, next week. I promise you, it will come up here on uh, on the Dave Ellswick show. I know for a lot of you, a lot of you think, well, why don't you talk about it this week? Well, you know, we set things up all week long, and we got people uh, at certain times, and there's certain things that we want to ask them uh, that are important. We will get to that issue, I promise you, next Wednesday. And Heidi, you make sure that you remind me of it, okay, so that we get it, to, we get that ass. I've got it written down, but that doesn't always, you know, say that I'll get to it. <laughs> I tend to chase rabbits at times. Heidi knows that. Everybody who comes on this show knows that. All right, so uh, some interesting things coming out of that discussion uh, today with State Senator uh, Trent Garner, uh, there was an interesting article. You can see it on my web my web page, my uh, my Facebook page under the Dave Ellswick Show. And again, if you're not a member of my uh, my page, you need to be a member. All you got to do is go on and say I want to be a member, and you're gonna you're gonna get okayed. Uh, there's only been in the years that I've had my Facebook page, only two people have ever been blocked. Uh, by that and they were being you know just horses patoots so uh, when that happens uh, we 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 take care of that 
uh, using language that uh, we don't believe that you should use. So bottom line is, uh, I thought uh, the, the state senator had some interesting things to say about the Republican Party. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to have the governor on. He's going to be on in the 7 o'clock hour. He'll start at about 7.05, and we're going to ask him a lot of questions that he's quoted uh, in that article from the New York Times about republicanism. We want to know, you know, he's going to be the head of the uh, governor's uh, commission, uh, and we want. I want to know how he intends to run that when, you know, just under a half – of the governors are Democrats and don't believe, for the most part, in federalism, how he's going to push federalism or is he going to push federalism uh, with with the governors. We'll want to, want to talk to him about that. We want to talk to him about uh, the state of Arkansas. He has said that he will not support Donald Trump in 2024. Uh, he has made it very clear uh, that uh, he wants to change the the Republican Party. Uh, he makes those kind of open statements like that. Tomorrow we'll, we'll see if he'll talk to us specifically about things that he wants to change or that he believes need to be changed uh, here uh, in Arkansas. So we'll talk about that. I thought it was interesting in that New York Times article that he said that he will support whoever the Republican standard bearer is for governor here in the state in uh, 2021, uh, but that he has had long discussions. Uh, I think it's with, with brother-in-law, it's Hendrix's brother-in-law, uh, about uh, his concerns about the Republican Party and that he shares some of those concerns. So I want to see what those thoughts are from the governor as well so you know we've had i've had a talk with his people they had a talk with me i told them what i want to ask about uh they know exactly where the questions are going to come from and so the governor has said he has no problems being asked any questions whatsoever and it will be a free-ranging interview with him tomorrow starting at 705 all right, we're about 14 minutes uh, from 8 o'clock, so let's get our final break in, and then we'll uh, talk a little bit more uh, about what uh, the congressman had to say, Congressman Hill. He had some interesting things to say today, uh, and was you know he was very, uh, very straightforward, I think, uh, in saying that he believed, as I believe, that on the Democrat side now in Washington, D.C., you have people more in tune with what they want to get done with their party than what they want to do to protect and take care of our country. So we'll talk about that some coming up here in just a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. I want to remind you about Pat Davis. Pat Davis, and when it comes to health care, he knows what he's talking about. He's got a great way for you to get health care, okay, health insurance that will get you health care that you can be happy with at a price that you can afford. He can save you 30 to 50% on health insurance. He's got the perfect health plans if you're self-employed. He's got the perfect health plans 
if you're an owner of a business and you still want to supply uh, health insurance for your employees, uh, you can choose any provider in the nation as far as the health plan that you want, but it would be done the Pat Davis way. It's actual insurance. It's not a share plan. And um, there's no co-pays. Now, that goes against most everything that you hear about health insurance now. So that's why you want to talk to Pat. Find out how he's doing it differently and how he can save you money. Just call him, 501-605-6935, or visit him online by his moniker, yourhealthplanman.com. Yourhealthplanman.com, that's Pat Davis. All right, about eight minutes left here on a Wednesday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show tomorrow 6 a.m., J.R. Davis and uh, Ken Yang will join me, and we'll talk politics in the first hour, giving you our viewpoints of different things that are are going on statewide and going on as far as uh, uh, national politics are concerned. Something that I want everybody to keep in mind is with redistricting going on uh, this year, there's going to be changes about where some of our local state uh, senators, state representative seats are at. And one of the big changes is going to happen up in northwest Arkansas because it's growing. A lot of people moving up in that area. And with that in mind, they're going to need representation. And that means uh, probably there will be more seats up there uh, as far as uh, state legislators are concerned, whether it be uh, you know, representatives or state senators. I'm concerned about some of the corporations uh, that are up in the uh, northwest part of the state. And I'm concerned about some of the corporations just, you know, here in this country and some of the things they've been doing about moving to the left and, uh, you know, embracing uh, leftist thoughts uh, and, uh, you know, cancel culture type things, uh, it, it concerns me. What concerns me here locally in the state of Arkansas, let's say, let's just say they get nine more seats up in uh, northwest Arkansas, and that will be determined by the governor, the AG, and the secretary of state. Uh, and then voted on by uh, the legislators. And if they got nine more seats, and let's say that Walmart decides that they're going to spend a lot of money trying to help people that are running for one of those seats up in northwest Arkansas that has a much more liberal view of a lot of the – Uh, culture issues that are affecting us, you know, transgenderism, uh, LGBTQ plus issues and other things, uh, they could sway some legislature uh, legislation here in the state legislature. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on that. Uh, I'm going to be watching how much money they're pouring into the races. 
and how much they're trying to, uh, you know, basically, you know, swing their weight around. And I think that that's something that we all uh, are going to have to pay attention to. All right, to finish up today's show, I I just got this information, so I want to share it with you. Former Senator John Warner of Virginia, a former Navy secretary who was once married to Elizabeth Taylor, uh, has died at 94, according to his longtime chief of staff. Warner died yesterday of heart failure at home in Alexandria, Virginia, with his wife and daughter at his side. Quote, he was frail but had a lot of spirit and was involved until his last days, uh, McGill said. Uh, Warner, a Republican, was elected to the Senate in 1978, and he served five terms as senator. That's 30 years. He announced in 2007 that he would not run again in 2008. A former secretary of the Navy, Warner was for a time chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee, He had an independent streak that sometimes angered more conservative GOP leaders. Warner was the sixth of Taylor's seven husbands. The two were married from 1976 to 1982. Democrat Mark Warner, who had challenged him uh, for the Senate in 96 and went on to serve a term as Virginia's governor, won the election to succeed him in 2008. After years of rivalry, the two became good friends, and John Warner attended his swearing-in in January 2009. Mark Warner, which is no relation, said his friend epitomized what it means to be a senator, whatever that means. Uh, Virginia has lost an unmatched leader, and my family has lost a dear friend, said Senator Tim Kaine, a Democrat of Virginia, Once I came to the Senate, I understood even more deeply the influence of John Warner. I came to know John McCain, Carl Levin, and so many others who served with him and attested to his integrity and outsized influence in a body that he loved so dearly. John Warner had an independent streak that sometimes infuriated conservative party leaders. Yes, that's very true, but won him support from moderates in both parties. The uh, courtly senator with chiseled features and a thick shock of gray hair was so popular with Virginia voters that Democrats did not bother to challenge him for his 2002 reelection that won him his fifth uh, term. So he was liked by a lot of people, but, uh, you know, they just said that, uh, you know, he was like he says he was a moderate. You know, he wasn't a conservative. He was a moderate. Uh, But when push came to shove on uh, Republican issues that the Republican Party was behind, they very well could depend on him to cast a vote for uh, the particular legislation he was voting on. All right. So tomorrow in the first hour, J.R. Davis will be with us, Gilmore and Davis, as well as Ken Yang, the chairman of the Saline County Republican Party. And then at 7 o'clock, my uh, interview that I've been waiting for some time. We've set this up two weeks ago, and I've been counting the days, with uh, Governor Asa Hutchinson uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Questions that you've wanted answered, 
you'll be asked, all right, here on my show. That's all coming up tomorrow in the 7 o'clock hour. On Friday, it's uh, Steinbach and and uh, Chris, as well as Matt Smith. He'll tell you what to expect at the movies for this holiday weekend coming up. I'll see you tomorrow, 6 a.m. on a Thursday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.